Podcast. I'm Allison Little, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur who has built businesses and brands for the past decade. I'm passionate about helping high achievers launch to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Launch Podcast with Allison Little. Today's episode is called Thrive at Work with Dr. Swetha Chawala. Swetha is a former professor of pharmacy turned life and leadership coach known as a copywriter for the soul. She helps highly driven folks who feel trapped by responsibility and fear cultivate the courage to create the work they love. What a beautiful way to state how to to help people go to that next level and launch in their lives, right? Because if we are doing work that we love, it's much more likely that we're going to be able to launch and feel really fulfilled and feel like we're unlocking our potential, right? So thank you so much, Dr. Swetha, for joining us today. Thank you, Allison, for having me here. I'm really excited about having our conversation. (laughs) Absolutely. This will be great. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay. So as you saw in my bio, I, you know, used to be a professor of pharmacy. And um, so I was one of those kind of good student, good girls, right? You, you do all the things you need to do to get to success. And I followed all of those steps, checked off everything off the list, right? I got married. I bought a beautiful New York City condo across the street from the university where I worked. I got pregnant on my first try. And then it was like, boom, like it was always like, what's the next thing that's going to make me feel the way that I want to feel? Like I'm doing all the right things. And it was really that last checklist of becoming a mother where it was kind of my, you know, my, where I hit that climactic point, my wake up call, because it didn't go as planned. (laughs) I gave premature birth five weeks early. um, And it just, you know, created this transformation within me. And when I went back to work, everything changed like it often does for when women become mothers. But for me, it felt like there was this extra element of, you know, I was at the, like the highlight, the top of my career. And I was doing the work I love within my profession. And I just remember having this moment of, you know, sitting across my Dean and asking myself, like, why am I working so hard? And it just like tears coming down my eyes. And I think when you ask those kind of real heartfelt, big questions, whether you like it or not, catalyzes change. (laughs) And that's what happened to me. So I ended up, and of course, I'm, you know, kind of making it bite size here, but I left my profession, I really just uprooted my life. I took my family, we moved cross country from New York to California, and we just created a completely different lifestyle for ourselves. that I would say really, you know, has, it's not been easy, but it's really helped me get into this place of really honoring who I am, and what I'm meant to be doing in the world and how I want to be within my relationships. Mm. I love that. I'm so grateful that you share that and you were so vulnerable and authentic because, you know, a lot of times people see uh, people just like you, right? They watch your success and they see the work that you're doing and how hard you're striving and and they they are envious, right? And we never know what's happening on the inside. Sometimes people are super happy and they love that. Sometimes they're not so happy on the inside. And I can definitely relate to, to that. And, and I completely understand. And I think that that's part of my own journey too. And so other than that time when you're talking to your Dean, was there something that happened or was it just like, yes. you were, okay, there was, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I had, I, I went for a promotion and I was, I thought it was a shoe in, you know, like I was getting awards. I was on all these associations. I was making all these public 
publications. The feedback I was getting from everyone was so positive. And then I did not get promoted. And, and so I think that was really like the, you know, breaking point for me, because it was just like, well, if I'm doing all this work and I'm getting all this positive feedback, but I'm not seeing like it, something felt out, out of alignment and out of integrity rather. And what I realized was it was me that was out of integrity because while I was doing work, I love, I made it work. But the truth was that I was teaching something that was not really honoring of what I believe and who I am. I was teaching about drugs, not to say there's anything wrong with drugs, mm -hmm. you know, but I really believe there's kind of the title and the role we play, but then there's who we are at our core. And I truly believe in self-healing, not, and I believe in medicine. I'm not against medicine. So I want to be very clear about that. <laughs> Um, but I felt like I have always been an innovator and I always, even within the profession of healthcare, was able to do, you know, work that was like, you know, preventative self-care. I did a lot of counseling for patients. I, I created all these innovative programs that were around disease management as opposed to drugs, you know, because I, I think a lot of chronic medications, you know, are not about healing. They're about kind of symptom, like, you know, just kind of covering the symptoms. Same thing with like performance, right? Like we play these roles, everything's kind of like on the surface level and it's not really getting at the root. And I'm a, I'm a root girl. <laughs> like I just mm -hmm. like to really get at the root of what it is of who we are, what we're trying to create in the world. What's the work that we're meant to be doing. And so I was out of integrity in that, in that space. And I, and I realized, you know, like through some inner work, I wrote a book and in the book, I share the story in the book of how, like, I actually never wanted to be a pharmacist. I was fulfilling out my mom's dream. You know, my mom wanted to be a doctor and, and, you know, like, you know, we're from India. She had an arranged marriage. She couldn't fulfill her dream. And none of that was conscious. I mean, like you would think I would know that. Right. But I was I was doing well at work. And I think when you are somebody who can make things work, you're resourceful. High achievers make things work. Right. Whatever mm -hmm. the situation is, they'll do their best and they'll make the most of it. And I think that's an honorable. It gets you really far. But you use, the, you know, the topic of this is about thriving. And there's a big difference between good versus thriving. Mm. And, Hallelujah. And right? Mic drop moment. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And that's the thing. I, I love that you say that because as high achievers, you know, we can be doing and we can make anything work, my dear friends. Whoever's listening to this right now, if you are a high achiever and you are at the top of your game and you still kind of have that whisper in the back of your head saying, hey, like this isn't it. This isn't it. Listen to it because it might be yeah. the hint right? It just might be the hint saying there's so much more for you, or you're not aligning with that authentic version of yourself. And it's a beautiful thing once you do that, right? Right. But here's the thing. It's that when you are kind of a, an achiever and like, let's make it work and let's do what's the next best thing. The thing that helped that helped you get there is it's like to thrive, you actually have to like do undo that. And that is really hard on the nervous system. Oh my gosh. Because, right. You know, when you, it's like, oh, you got to actually do less instead of working hard. You have to, instead of like being resourceful, you have to drop the ball sometimes so that you can honor yourself first. And, you know, you've gotten so much success for being accommodating, for pushing yourself. And now you want to go into this place of thriving, which is much more collaborative, much more trusting, much more hopefully maybe taking a step back and letting others support you. Oh my God, it's not an easy thing. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it's <laughs> good, right? It's very challenging because you know what? Hard work is easy for us. 
Mm-hmm. It's it that it's that like it feels soft. natural, doesn't it? Right. It feels natural right. to work very hard. And especially if you come to a from a place, you know, I grew up with a single parent and and it was I have worked hard since the day that I knew how to work hard because that's right. what you do in order to and, go to the next level, right? And culture celebrates that. Culture mm-hmm. celebrates like everybody says you got to get hard work, hard work. And I'm really all about fun work, courageous work. I feel like those are the things that really get you to this place of thriving because the definition of thriving, and I love this definition that I got from Deepak Chopra, which is basically comparing it to a seed, right? In a plant, like you plant, you put a seed in the earth and you get a little bit of water, a little bit of sun, and it grows effortlessly. Mm. There's an ecosystem, right? There's, it's like, it's natural. And so the model that I use to help people to go from this place of good enough or satisfaction, or, you know, maybe even, I think eventually gets to a place of dissatisfaction when you're in in this place to thriving is I, I have something called the natural leadership model. And it basically, it's a framework to help folks to go through three different phases of being able to make that transition that really supports both kind of the inner experience, because like I said, it does come up against all your stuff because you're going from this, you know, the things that got you really far, are the things you have to let go of. And, and our body holds on to that, like survival mm. it helps inner stuff, but it also provides frameworks for the just practical, like, how do I do this? How do I, you know, step into being a natural leader, owning my brilliance? Cause that's really what it takes is owning your brilliance to get to this place of thriving. So mm. I'm going to pause there. Love that. <laughs> All of that. That's amazing. And, you know, I think owning your brilliance is a really beautiful idea. And one of the things that I'm sure many of our listeners are thinking, and you know, I was thinking when I was at a similar place to you where I was doing all of the things, right? I was doing. And what you're what I hear you saying is that it's about being, right? right. It's about being authentically you. And once you step into that place, it's crazy because number one, you feel fulfilled and energized at a whole new level. You feel super passionate uh, opportunities and ideas and thoughts and creativity flow to you in a whole different way, but that can be really scary and, and fear floods in. And I think excuses flood in for me, it was excuses because if I wasn't being that quote unquote successful version of myself of what I thought I needed to be, then I wasn't really um, fulfilling my, you know, my purpose. But as soon as like, it it got to a point where I just had to like break down everything and I had to move into this version of myself that I didn't even know existed. So Mm -hmm. how did you, you know, how would you tell the people that are listening that are kind of in that place? They're like, yeah, I, that's exactly how I feel. What would you say to them? That's such a good point. Um, yeah. Cause so like, for me, when I can totally relate to what you're saying, because when I went from that transition, like I had the title doctor, I had six figures, I had like 15 weeks vacation. I mean, I had it all and I let go of all that. I had no outside external, like, you know, validation of, of being a leader. And then I got this, you know, insight when I was in the midst of my transition that I'm supposed to be a leadership coach. And I remember having a massive headache Cause I was like, there's nothing about me that feels like a leader. I'm not making income. Like I was the breadwinner for my family. I was barely making anything. I didn't have any titles behind me. Right. And I was like, how do I step into this identity? You know, that my, 
I'm getting from it from this that little subtle calling that you were talking about, but the external world doesn't operate in that way. I'm not getting any feedback. And that's, you know, a hard thing to do because when you are a high achiever, oftentimes, I'm saying always, but oftentimes, you know, we are celebrated for externally, like, oh, you do this well, you do this good, you do that. So your self-worth comes from that place. And essentially to go from this place into thriving, you're trusting that process. It's the seed that's being planted. And, you know, you don't, you don't have confidence in the unknown and the uncertainty. That's not something that we've been taught. We've not been taught to trust that inner guidance that we experience. So there is a learning curve with that. And what I would say to do is what, you know, what I did for the first time in my life, I actually got help. I got some support as a person that's really resourceful, that's hardworking, that's a high achiever. That might not seem like that that's vulnerable, right? You'll get a mentor to help you achieve in your career, right? But to get somebody to hold space for you so that you can identify who you really are, you know, something that's more for you. I can't tell you how many people that I've worked with when they signed on for coaching, they're like, oh my God, this feels like commitment. And these people are loyal people. They don't have an issue with commitment, but they have, you know, they can commit to other people. They can commit to other organizations, but committing to themselves to give yourself space to be in this process, I would say is the very first step is to learn how to be with these things that we're never taught how to be. Learn how to be with the fear, learn how to be with those uncomfortable feelings. And, you know, I have a framework called Holy Bridge. It's because a bridge brings you from one unknown environment to another unknown environment. And, you know, to give people the tools to be able to navigate that, because at the end of the day, the only thing that we can count on is change. So we need to learn how to be good with change. And once you get to that place of, and it's a process, like it's, it's, you know, it's not like an arrival point, you go through ups and downs, but when you get to that place of inner strength in, you know, real, like that core, core self-worth, it doesn't freak you out and scare you any, as much anymore. I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this. I'm constantly going through up levels and it still brings up all the feels, but it's not as intense as it used to be. Right. And that's because I got help. I, I hired a coach when I first got started. Yeah. There's the books and everything, all that. That's wonderful. But working with somebody that's been on the journey or being in, in a group of people, not your family and friends, because they mean well, but oftentimes the environment that brought you to how you are being this resourceful achiever is the one that's going to keep you there. Right. <laughs> you know? And so you really need to be around people. I think you need, when you are not there, you need believing eyes. And so working with I people. I love that. Believing that eyes. Surround believing yourself eyes. with believing eyes, my friends. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and I think as soon as you're open to the help, it'll be amazing because the resources and the people, the coach, the right person will present yes. him or herself right to you. Yeah. And you'll just have to kind of be open to that experience and be okay with feeling uncomfortable, right? right? I remember the first time that I had a coach, I told myself I would never, ever, ever have a coach, right? Even though I like coaching and I like up-leveling, I just would never do that, right? Because I can, I can be a coach to others, but if I have to take and I have to look myself in the mirror and really evaluate where I might be stuck or where I need to grow, like that wasn't going to work for me, right? Because in the beginning of our personal development journey, sometimes that's how it happens. And I'm a very stubborn person. I'll admit it. So, <laughs> so be okay with saying, you know what, what if, what if I did this for myself to hold space for myself to grow, right? And, and in that space, even when you see it in your calendar, you see space for growth and, and put that down. This is my space for growth. 
You know, sometimes you might be taking time and energy to put into reading a book or listening to a podcast. Well, the same can be approached as this coaching time or this self-reflection time or journaling time or walking in nature and just being just being like, I I love to do that. Just walk. And just I can't have music going, I just, I just am being in nature and just feeling like, you know, whatever it is that I'm feeling at that time and, and trying to like be as calm as possible. I think that there's a beautiful thing to be said for just trying to stay as still as possible. Yeah. And you know, if, again, if you're a doer and you're an achiever, that is re- can be really challenging. Right? <laughs> it really all, is. All it is. Come up. And I got to tell you, like, I am, I am a person who can sit in stillness and quiet. Like I crave that now, but I, you know, one of my coping mechanisms was being a social butterfly. That's actually, it was a coping mechanism for me. And it's a gift too. And that's the thing, like our gifts are also can be our shadows as well. Um, so cultivating to getting to this place, you know, is like the middle, the, you know, my, my natural leadership model is three, basically three phases. And the first phase is releasing old habits. And then the second phase is experimenting with your brilliance, you Mm. know, and, and going back to the metaphor of nature, like when you plant a seed into the earth, you don't water it, water, if you overwater it, it dies. Right. So if you're like pushing, like trying to get yourself there to this new identity and this new way of being and not kind of going through the process, um, it can actually like prolong it. And again, just having somebody who's walked this path to help you know that so that you are not adding even more judgment on yourself for not being there yet, you know? So setting up baby steps, like that's like, we have, you know, sometimes we get these ideas for like these big vision of like, okay, this is my next, this is who I want to be. I'm listening to all these podcasts. I want to be like that, et cetera. And that might be where you are being called to, but, you know, really setting yourself up for success in this kind of transformation, this transition by what's the next baby step, right? Like what's the next baby step? So, you know, if you were wanting to sit in stillness and be more quiet or, you know, maybe do a 10 minute block in your calendar, that's it. Like, don't go for an hour. You know what I mean? Like what's the, what would be the next courageous step for you with however you're trying to go from this doing to being? I love that. And, you know, I think um, Swatha, the point that you're making is that a lot of times we go full bore into trying to create transformation and we want it to be done tomorrow. And it sounds like it's a journey, right? And we need to constantly, especially if you're a high achiever, because you like to get stuff done, my friends. You like to get things done. I do as well. And sometimes getting things done is actually, it means that you need to do the opposite of what you typically would do. Exactly. Which is hard because you have to, you have to catch yourself. You're like, okay, at this point, I would typically overwork and I would stress myself out and I would, you know, whatever I would push. Right. I need to let go. I need to, you know, take a step back from work. I need to relax. Like it's just, it's such an interesting way of thinking, but it's a beautiful way. Right. Once you step into it. uh, And I think that it is a a place for you to launch to that next level. Yeah. I, one of the things that I often say is, you know, like just replace that short-term dopamine hit for long-term harmony, you know, because because I hear one thing I hear a lot of people, my clients tell me is, you know, they are, they get a lot of stuff done, but then if, you know, if they were really, if, if you could really see inside them, you were talking about, like, we don't really see what's going on. The sadness of 
that they can't rely on other people, right? That mm-hmm. like if and that if they need a break or to take a break, it um, they feel like they're disappointing people. They're letting people down because so much of that identity and that worth comes from being efficient, from being able to do things. And so it's and it, it is a short term dopamine hit, right? Like that's the next thing. Like I, I that was the thing with me. I had the next achievement, the next letter behind my name. And I was just like, why doesn't this feel as good as it's supposed to feel? And it was because I was approaching life as a checklist. I wasn't really paying attention to, oh my God, this really fills me up. Mm-hmm. And this should fill me up, but it really doesn't fill me up, you know, like publications, right? It was great for my ego to have my name on a paper, but honestly, I don't want to sit alone behind a computer typing about what I really think is just not, it wasn't to me, the, the, the real fulfillment came with working with my students and working with my, my patients and helping when they were, when they felt good about themselves, when they felt empowered, whether it was with their disease or with their profession. And essentially I was around the perimeter of my purpose, right? That's what coaching is all about. And I think that that's the difference between going from that, you know, satisfaction to thriving is like, you're getting enough to keep you there. And that's why we don't make those changes until it becomes really dissatisfying. But usually we're on the perimeter of that purpose, you know? And so like, I was always coaching. I was always doing, mm-hmm. you know, this, this work in my, and, and it was wonderful, but I didn't, I didn't name it. And so talking about being your, in your brilliance is, that we're so used to this, like, again, title position. And so when we go from satisfaction to thriving, it's that doing versus being. And because we don't name being in this world, right? It's mm-hmm. like, who you, who you be, we don't name it, but that's actually what I do. One of my brilliances is that I can name, the, that's the copyright of the soul. I can name the subtle. So I actually, a lot part of my coaching, like I have a clarity session where I name at the root what's really holding people back. And they're like, oh my God, are you reading my mind? I even have a naming session, like, which is to help people when they're going through transition, what's their elevator pitch, or if they need to name a book or, you know, a product for themselves. That's not something somebody, I couldn't have taken a test, a career test, you know, at college to say like, you're a namer. Mm-hmm. That came from the experimenting, from paying attention to what fills me up, listening to feedback people were giving me about how they feel when I'm in my, when they're in my presence. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to, you know, put some kind of tangible thing to it, which to me is what naming does. It brings kind of that that internal knowing that you have, and then gives you this external kind of bridge to be able to express it in the world. What a beautiful thing. And I think it's so important and needed. And I, and I appreciate that you're sharing that it was a journey for you to try to figure out exactly what the things were that you did that brought you joy, because I'm sure that there are leaders right now that are listening that might be feeling perhaps stuck in areas of their life. Um, I know I got to a place where I was working in our financial planning firm and I just knew that there was more and I wanted to speak on stages and I wanted to help people and I wanted to do all these things, but there wasn't like anything I could look at to say, this is exact. You're going to be an author. You're going to, you're going to get to interview awesome people from all over the globe, Allison, on a podcast. Like it's not, it wasn't a thing then when I started all of this work. And I think, you know, it took me experimenting and it took me failing and it took me trying and seeing what filled me up and what excited and inspired me. And I think that work is hard work. And a lot of people, you know, they feel afraid of it. And so it sounds like the work that you do and your coaching is really help people, number one, name what the fear is that's holding you back and then help 
encourage and inspire them to go to that next level. Right. And then, and then helping them to see like how they're being guided, you know, and helping them to, like you were talking about, you know, that the courage that you had to have, like, I I call that being kind of like a good student, right. Which sees the path. Like I go to law school for, you know, eight years and that, that like, we can see that path. Cause that's one of the things that I hear the most of why people don't make the shift is because they can't see the path because they're so good at following a plan, but going from, again, this place of being good to the thriving is you're actually creating it. You can't see it because you're being asked to create it. It's not been created because nobody's you. Your Mm -hmm. path is unique to you. So you have to create it. And it doesn't mean that there aren't guideposts, which is a lot of what my work is, is helping people see the guideposts. But it is a lot of it is like, you're, you know, it's not this plan that it's not a checklist plan that you're going to follow, you're going to be creating as you go along, which is initially terrifying, but then becomes exhilarating, because you start to cultivate that self trust, and also that trust in others, which I think is a big part of the journey also for a high achiever, that's usually really resourceful, they tend to you know, depend on themselves and they're kind of healing on this deeper level around trust, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Swetha, we have to ask you, what are the two things you've done in your life to launch to the next level? Oh my God. Okay. So the first big one I would say is personal, which is I went on a vacation to Peru when I, right in the beginning of my career. And it was the first time, like I went to another country by myself, you know, I was with my cousin, but like just be having that independence and it felt really like, <gasps> And I fell in love with just being on this adventure, you know, and the experience was so amazing that I extended my trip by one week. And on the second to last day, I met a man who would end up being my husband. Oh my, it's giving me chills. Oh, <laughs> yay. How cool. didn't, he didn't speak English. I didn't speak Spanish. There were so many reasons why this wouldn't work. And I mean, 17 years later, we have a beautiful son. We've created a life together. We've been married for a long time. So I would say that was the first time I kind of trusted that my heart and trusted that unknown. And, um, and I'm so grateful for it because it's really up leveled my life <laughs> in many ways. I mean, having a partner like that, our life is one adventure. I don't think I would have been able to leave pharmacy and com- create the life that I've had because again, my environment, right. was very mm-hmm. much like, don't take risks, like, you know, don't follow your heart. Um, and then I, the second one would be leaving my profession. You know, there was, there was golden handcuffs. There were so many reasons to stay. And it wasn't, like I said, awful. Um, but I knew there was something greater calling me. So I would say, you know, having the courage to listen to that and follow that. And I'm so grateful for where I am now. I love the work I do. I love helping other people love the work they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such important work too. I'm so grateful that you do that and you help people because when you look at the data between uh, how people are feeling right now at work, it makes me so sad, right? And there's so many people that are not feeling joy and they are not feeling appreciated and they are not feeling like they love the work that they do. And unfortunately that, that translates into every area of your life, right? If you are listening and you're going, yeah, that's me. You need to do something about it, my friends. You can't just ignore it because I've been there. You've been there. We've both been there. So it's not like you're alone, but you need to get help because I feel like as soon as you can find your joy, the thing that fills you up and excites and inspires you, you're going to be able to excite and inspire other people. You're going to be able to empower your family in a whole new way. You're going to be able to step into your awesomeness. And it feels so exciting. I had a friend who's super energized by the work he does. He's a radio show host. And Mm -hmm. I was talking to him last week and he's like, Allison, you're on your path of purpose. And he's like, it's like drinking five Red Bulls every day. And I was like, 
It is. Yes. People don't understand why you have so much energy, but it's when, when you're doing something, you know, that is in alignment with who you need to be in the world. There's nothing that can stop you. And I think yeah. that's exactly the work that you do. Exactly. Like, you know, people think that it's time, money, and energy that's stopping them. And they don't realize that it's, it's, it's the quality of the, the, the interactions and experiences that you're having. And if this, you spend so much time at work and if this big thing, that's a big part of your life is draining you, then obviously all it's going to feel like, you know, you can't move forward, but you're right. It's like, once you do the work you love and you, again, you can, you don't have to eat, pray, love your life. Like <laughs> I, I found, I thrived with, I was at the same job for 10 years, you know, and I felt, I felt that same lull of something's missing and I made changed. I thrived within my own work first, same job, same company, everything. So it was, you know, you don't have to leave to be able, because people can leave and not do anything and their problems will just solve, follow them. And then you can, or you can make change exactly where you are because you, you there's, you know, parts of your life that I'm sure you love, you love what you create. And that's the other thing. I think people think that they have to like throw away all their achievements. And it's like, no, you don't. Sometimes it's just a little shift within even your own company or your own job. Um, it's, it's different for everybody. Sometimes you do do a big, you know, uprooting like I did, but at the end of the day, like you said, if you can find the work you love, it feeds you and your capacity to show up in your life. It just expands and it's amazing. It is. Well, thank you so much Swatha, for sharing with us today. This was just absolutely amazing. I know it added so much value to the people that are listening. And I know you have another surprise for our listeners. Could you share what that is? Yeah. You know, so I think a lot of things that we're talking about, you and I are kind of on the other side of this. And I think, you know, for some people, they'll be like, okay, but how do I make this happen for my life? Like, yeah, but like, you don't have the, I don't have this problem. I don't have that problem, et cetera. And I think the first thing is always taking time for self-reflection, you know, so that you can, again, make this personal. So I have a book called, I still haven't found what I'm looking for now. What? And it has 21, you know, reflection exercises to help you to make a lot of what we're talking about personal to you. And it, walks you through my make your world bigger framework to help you to get to your next level. And so they can go on my website, drswathachalva.com and they can download an e-copy for free. And Yay! make sure yeah. you do that. Launch yeah. leaders yes. do this. <laughs> yeah. And the, the first exercise is super fun. So I really encourage you to just start there and then email me your answers. Cause I love listening to people's like just hearing, you know, what people's answers are to some of those reflection questions. Wonderful. And so how can people get a hold of you again, Swatha? So my website is www.drswetachalva.com, D-R, and then spelled, my name spelled out. And also I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook under the same name. So you can and, uh, you know message me, email me, whatever you want. Like, I'd love to hear from you about any takeaways that you've had. Um, and if you download the book, your answers to those inquiries. I love awesome. hearing. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Swatha. I appreciate your time, your energy, and your expertise today. Launch leaders, if this helped you as much as it helped me, make sure you share it with somebody in your life. You just never know what somebody's going through and where they can find hope and inspiration today. So thanks again and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Launch Podcast. I'm Allison Little, and I'm so excited that you spent your time with me. Look for future episodes and connect with me on social media or at my website at www.allisonlittle.com. 